Welcome to the online ministry of Pacific Beach United Methodist Church, located in beautiful San Diego, California. Pacific Beach UMC is a member of the Reconciling Ministries Network and welcomes persons of all ages and backgrounds for worship, study, and service opportunities. More information can be found on our website at pbumc.org. May you be enriched by the hearing of these words, and may you receive and enjoy God's blessing. Today's scripture is Luke 14, 1 and 7 through 14. On the occasion when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the place of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then, in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers and sisters or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Amen. Thank you, Michelle. And thank you, voices of praise. Amen. How do you not say amen after that anthem? I like the Gospel of Luke for many reasons, but one of them is because Luke has more references to food, eating, (laughs) banquets, and tables than any of the other Gospels. Isn't that something? That could be a Jeopardy question sometime down the road. You might want to tuck that little piece of knowledge in your back pocket for future reference. Our text for today is about one of those many party accounts as Jesus headed to a meal on the Sabbath at the home of one of the leaders of the Pharisees. And when I first saw that this was the text for today, I thought, well, that is just perfect because today, as you know, is our church picnic. It's picnic Sunday. How about that? We are about to have a little party of our own, tables and food and all. And aside from that, we United Methodists are just known in general for our love of food. Sure, other faith communities eat together, but no one does a potluck like United Methodists. What a fortunate coincidence, I thought. 
how much more perfect could this particular lectionary passage be? But the more you sit with this passage, the more peculiar it becomes. For starters, this isn't exactly the warmest and fuzziest version of Jesus that we can find in the Gospels. This, as I've mentioned before, is one of the values of following the lectionary or the assigned rotation of readings. Following the lectionary keeps you from picking all of your favorite Jesus passages and leaving these somewhat odd tidbits behind. In this text, some might even find Jesus to be a little bit rude, really. He was a guest at a party, after all, and right off the bat, he launched into criticizing how guests behave as guests and how hosts behaved as hosts. Not exactly what you'd expect from a party guest who just walked through the door. But in addition to that, the content is really just a little bit strange because at first blush, it sounds like Jesus is offering advice on social graces, everything you need to know about how not to embarrass yourself at a party. He said to guests, don't go for the place of privilege in case someone more distinguished than you comes along and you're asked to move. Start out low, and who knows, you may get bumped up to a better spot, a spot of greater honor. We might be asking ourselves, is this Jesus or Emily Post? There must be a more contemporary etiquette advisor. Are there more contemporary etiquette advisors? I'm dating myself with Emily Post. There's no more etiquette, Ron says. It's just, there's no more. I think to most of our ears, Jesus in this passage sounds more like some version of Miss Manners than the Son of God, Savior of the world. And then Jesus topped it off by offering a bit of bizarre advice to hosts as well. Don't invite people you know and like people who are a part of your circle, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, people who could never return the favor, never pay you back. Let me pause and ask, who of you has ever had a party and didn't invite people you know and like? That's who we invite to our parties, the people we know and, for the most part, like. What kind of party would it be if we didn't? Reading the Bible can be really challenging sometimes, can it? But there is one small phrase in this passage that shifts how we see and hear and receive these unusual words. If you look back at verse 7, it says, When Jesus noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. It doesn't say he chastised them for their behavior. It doesn't say he gave them advice. It doesn't say he provided step-by-step instructions for how to do it better. It says he told them a parable, meaning that Jesus told them a story that had essential meaning for them as people of faith. 
Jesus was talking not just about surface level things, about party etiquette and table manners and such. No, the word parable indicates that Jesus was going much deeper in order to say something essential about kingdom manners, who we are to be, how we are to behave as those aligning ourselves with God's kingdom. This is a good example of how not every word or phrase or account in the Bible is intended to be read literally. To read this passage, this parable literally, would be to miss so much of the important stuff. Jesus' parables are meant to challenge us, to make us think, to send us on a search for their meaning as we seek to grow in God's love and grace. So if Jesus isn't just talking about lunch gatherings and dinner parties, what is he talking about? If we think about this account as a parable, take a step back from it, and look at it from a a broader point of view, it seems that Jesus was pointing to our human propensity toward self-advancement, self-serving and self-seeking behavior to some degree or another is a part of our human condition. Who knows, that impulse may be fueled by fear or angst or insecurity, but regardless, we tend in many areas of our lives to jockey for positions of honor or power or privilege. Some of us do that more blatantly. Probably not any of us here. But all of us, I imagine, do this in some kind of subtle way or another. I was trying to think of some personal examples I could share without embarrassing myself too much. And while these are not really egregious offenses, they do, if you think about it, point to this self-seeking tendency. For example, I am not always hospitable in allowing other people to get in front of me in line. Costco has been my teacher when it comes to that. Whether I'm pushing a cart through the warehouse or navigating my car into the gas pump area, I have a tendency to put my head down and deftly maneuver without injuring anyone or anything else into the optimal spot. I also am aware that I make an effort to be in good standing with the higher-ups in my life. While I wouldn't go so far as to call it jockeying for position, I'm mindful of putting myself on the radar in a positive way of the important people, the decision makers, the folks with some power in different areas of my life. And finally, I am pleased as punch to get good seats at any event. Les and I recently saw Come From Away at the Segerstrom Center for the Arts in Costa Mesa. Some friends gave us their tickets, so we just walked in not knowing where we were going. And when we got there and saw that we were close to the front but not too close and right smack dab in the center, we were downright giddy. We got the good seats. 
Hooray for us great seats. And if we're honest, isn't that most of us? Maybe even all of us? We all want the good seats. Just par for the course in this being human thing, right? Yes and no. Because Jesus offers us an alternative. He asks us to conform our lives, our habits, our words, our actions, our very hearts to a different realm, a kingdom realm. And what he seems to suggest in this parable is that those of us with privilege not always further capitalize on that privilege, as is so easy to do, that we loosen our grip on this worldly goal of self-advancement, that those of us with privilege in our day-to-day lives, even or especially around something as basic and common as a table, intentionally move ourselves to the margins of privilege in order to make space for somebody else, in order to center somebody else. It's a radical notion that we not just make space for everyone at the table, but that some of us who have been sitting in the best spots for a long time get up and move to the edges in order to make room for others. It's a radical notion. It's a kingdom notion. But in the divine kingdom, the one being ushered in by Jesus, getting ahead, getting to the best seats is not the goal. Self-advancement is not the goal. Love is. Love is the goal. That's why Jesus threw out these challenging parables to the people of that day and age. That's why he continues to throw them out to us. It's strangely easy to forget. Love is the goal. And not only is it easy to forget, for as basic as it sounds, it's a hard notion to live out. It's hard to do. Kingdom manners take practice, a lot of practice. The last time I preached on this passage, I was at San Luis Rey Valley United Methodist Church in Oceanside. They participated every year in the Crop Hunger Walk, which took place at least up in North County along the boardwalk in Carlsbad. We set up a barbecue in the park nearby and cooked hot dogs every year for the church members who participated. Well, again, this text fell on a day when church folks planned to eat together. Go figure. I had just preached on this text that morning, and our group finished the walk raising money to address the issue of hunger. We were cooking hot dogs in the park, and a person experiencing homelessness came up and asked if he could have a hot dog. And I hesitated, just for a moment. 
I can't even tell you exactly why. Perhaps I was worried about church people being uncomfortable. Perhaps I was concerned that this would lead to a larger influx of people asking for hot dogs, and then there would be no hot dogs left. And really, what if that did happen? It's not like any of our church members weren't going home to full refrigerators and couldn't get an afternoon snack if they hadn't gotten enough to eat at the park. What if we had given away every last hot dog? What kind of party would that have been? A kingdom party, I guess. That moment has stuck with me. It still troubles me that I hesitated at all before saying yes. It sounds simple, but it's not easy to do. Kingdom manners take practice. And thanks be to God, we get a lot of chances to practice over and over and over again. We are shaped by the world in which we live, for sure. And we are living into the world to which Jesus calls us. Let us day by day, moment by moment, live into the divine kingdom, advancing love above and beyond and before all else. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we thank you for this day and for all that is unique and special about it and for all that is wonderfully ordinary. We thank you for the people in our lives who do our hearts good, the ones who believe in us and encourage us to be all that you have created us to be. We thank you for music and art and nature for work and play, for tears and laughter, for all that gives our lives vitality, meaning, and joy. We thank you for being the one who soothes us in our times of sorrow and need, and the one who challenges us in our moments of small-mindedness and complacency. We lift up prayers for those near and far who are in need of help, healing, hope. We continue to pray for the end of war, overcome our inclination toward violence, and guide us down paths of peace, reconciliation, respect, and understanding. We lift up special prayers for all those who find themselves in harm's way this day. We pray for those who are unhoused, for those who feel trapped in relationships that wound or diminish, for those who see only the shadows and are having trouble finding any glimpses of light. We pray for those who are facing and fearing the reality of flooding, fires, or nuclear disaster. Free us from mindsets, belief systems, and behaviors that destroy self, others, or your precious created world. Forgive us, O oh God, for consciously or unconsciously seeking our own advancement above the well-being of others. 
Give us vision and courage to find ways and places to release our fierce grip on privilege in order to lift up and center another. Encourage and empower us despite our baubles as we seek to live into your kingdom. May our discouragement and disappointment never overcome us or impede your work of redemptive grace, but may we be fueled by the knowledge of your unwavering love that holds us all, a love that is transforming us and that invites us to be a part of transforming the world. We pray these things in Jesus' name, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.